on Podcast 1759. Nissan increased their EV plans, Giga Berlin sets records, and the Fisker Ocean deliveries should be soon. Trying a new thing this week so people know when to expect a show. We go live at 5 p.m. UK. That's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. You can be like them by clicking on the link in the show notes. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening wherever you are in the world. Hey, this is EV News Daily. We are your trusted source of EV information, and it's Tuesday 28th of February today. My name is Martin Lee, and I spent the last 24 hours going through every EV story I could find so you don't have to. Typically, yesterday, I mentioned the Kia EV9. We saw some social media shots of that without camouflage on and lots of speculation. And then a day later, we now get confirmation that Kia will begin production of the EV9. It's three-row SUV in South Korea in the first half of this year. Pre-orders begin in April. Official presentation of the model will take place sometime before the end of March. The EV9 could be manufactured at their US plant in Georgia from 2025, based on the same platform that we've seen from its sister cars from Hyundai and Kia so we think it'll be anything from 220 to 290 miles maybe all-wheel drive 300 kilowatts of power probably pricing between 55 and 75 thousand dollars that's all me speculating though we'll find out more soon a big announcement from Nissan overnight. Nissan is accelerating its transition to EVs in Europe and in its home market of Japan. Now, of course, in Europe, the EU have set some binding uh, rules which ban combustion sales from 2035. Japan, EV sales lag the rest of the world. However, Nissan, which was early with the Leaf, of course, you know that, and with the Aria, which is good but hasn't set the world alight yet... They have a long way to go. Of course, they're Japanese uh, kind of uh, cousins, if you like, over at Toyota, even further behind with their EV plans. But Nissan now updating their goals and saying they'll be 98% electrified sales by 2030 in Europe and 58% in Japan by 2026. They committed $14.7 billion to electrify their lineup with 27 what they call electrified models. Specifically, that's 19 electric vehicles by 2030. To comply with US legislation, 40% of their sales in the US will be EV by 2030. So Europe will pretty much be electric by the end of the decade. In the next seven years, the US will be less than 50%. Again, Nissan not doing EVs by the sounds of it because they want to, which is crazy because of the Leaf, which was there, it was the daddy, but uh, but because they're going to meet what they absolutely bare minimum have to in the US, which... I don't know, it's frustrating a little bit because Nissan could do amazing things, but maybe they'll exceed that. Let's hope they will. They'll fully localise US EV production and comply with subsidy requirements by 2026. Uh, They, of course, are part of the Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi alliance, so Nissan will invest in Ampere, which is Renault's electric vehicle and software company in Europe, and that's where the 19 EVs by 2030 will come from. Now, here in the UK, British Volts, which recently went into administration, has been bought by an Aussie firm, Recharge Industries. They plan to keep the British Volt name, but their plans will differ. They'll focus on batteries for energy storage and high-performance sports cars, with products available by the end of 2025. The company is ultimately owned by a New York-based investment fund and has received validation from the US defence industry. Recharge Industries hopes to create 8,000 jobs on the site in the northeast of England and in the supply chain as well. 
Though the UK government had offered £100 million to the former British vault owners, the new owners are seeking broad political support from all parties. Now, Tesla and Giga Berlin achieved a new milestone and a big record announced on their official social media. Huge congratulations to the team in Germany, producing 4,000 Model Ys in just a single week. If you were to annualise that, and you can't because, well, I mean, you can, uh, but the rate will probably increase this year. Their plans may change. They may shut down for maintenance. But if you were to annualise that, it would be 208,000 vehicles. Giga Texas on track for a similar milestone as well. Giga Berlin also equipped with the company's most advanced paint shop. I forget the company they bought that in from. It's a, it's a very famous name in automotive. Lots of kind of the high-end uh, vehicle makers use this company. So Tesla buying in. Tesla paint is something that they've really taken a kicking on over the years, I think. Uh, rightly so, in many cases, uh, with parts of cars not being sprayed or paint being very thin. You know, of course, that's you make so many cars. There's always going to be people on the internet that can find weaknesses. But I think generally I can say that paint was a weakness. So they've, the company they bought this in from was is, is, I think, the best of the best out there, or certainly very good. And um, that allows them to offer those new colours, but also a better quality as well. Now, uh, the plant's battery facility is already busy, uh, but we did hear that news that Tesla will move some of the battery resource to the US because of the subsidies available there. Perhaps the electrode still made in Germany, though. Also good news for Tesla today, they just overtook Ford in the 2022 Automotive Loyalty Awards for US brand loyalty for the first time. General Motors also winning the award for the eighth consecutive year. Industry-wide shortages have caused customer loyalty to drop over recent years. But GM still retained their loyal customers. Tesla's win was driven by its brand resonance with its consumers and also for people who... I think a lot of Tesla owners perfectly recognise. They're intelligent people. They get the downsides. They get the bits that go wrong or they don't, they're not happy with. or They're like, yeah, I'd love it to have CarPlay or Android Auto. But the good bits are so good, they outweigh those. Um, so, yeah, okay, there's a 1% who are just fanatical, who can't recognise anything else. But generally, I find Tesla buyers like, yeah, this isn't so good, and that's not good. And, you know, the auto wipers are terrible at times, and, and this happens. But the good stuff is so good, it just outweighs it. Mercedes-Benz also won an award for the launch of the all-electric EQS, and the loyalty awards are based on the analysis of 11.7 million new US vehicle registrations last year in terms of overtaking Ford in that overall loyalty award. That's surprising because if you look at Ford with the F-150, I think I think their loyalty awards over at Ford are probably built on the F-150 because if you've had one, you've probably had about five of them. And again, those owners love those vehicles. I wonder if Fisker owners will love their new vehicles. Well, we'll find out soon. Fisker has announced it's on track to begin deliveries of their Ocean SUV this spring and to build more than 40,000 of the cars this year. So far, they haven't made 40,000. They've made 56. And 15 of those were completed before the end of last year. It's being made by Magna as an outside company, which is great because Fisker didn't go down the route of thinking, well, I've got to build our own factories and things like that. They designed it. That's what Henrik Fisker is good at. Uh, The Ocean is expected to have a range, we think, of 350 miles in its top trims. Some of the early testing has shown that it's pretty efficient 
powertrain. Might even do more than that. The base trim, 250 miles, starting price of $37,500. They think the testing for regulatory approval will happen next month in March, and deliveries will begin shortly after. They have 65,000 reservations for the ocean, and of course that hopefully will give them the impetus they need to move on to their second model, the Pair. That will be cheaper, $30,000 US vehicle, uh, not built by Magna, but built by Foxconn. That'll be in Ohio, and we think that's 24 to 2025. A very popular vehicle will be the Chevy Blazer. All-electric, mid-size crossover from General Motors. Goes on sale later this year. And we've now seen pictures of it undisguised for the very first time. And it'll start, we think, at about uh, $44,000 on GM's Ultium platform from 250 to 320 miles. And the first pictures we've seen with no camo at all, it was the 2LT trim over the weekend. We saw these pictures. It's a white one. And actually, without all the pizzazz around it and press photos, looks a bit like an ID4 or a Nissan Aria. In other words, very, very popular segment and shape, and I think it'll do really well. Sales begin in the summer, and the Blazer will definitely be a huge part of GM's move to its electric future. A very different kind of car now, though, the Lotus Type 133. That is going to be a high-performance luxury electric saloon launching next year from Lotus, a car company that, I don't know, I have a real soft spot, not just because I'm from Norfolk, because I've driven past their Hethel Base a million times. I'd like to see them do really well. And if you ask me, Lotus, with their new owners, Geely, as in Volvo and Polestar fame, uh, were at a crossroads. And they could either become a, a niche, interesting, electric and combustion sports car maker. Because even though combustion's being banned in the UK, it's 2030 by our government, the EU, the wider European sales 2035 but even then some of the small car makers i don't know what the exact number is but if you make less than like 5000 vehicles a year or something you you would you would still be exempted like we still ride horses they'll still be petrol around in the year 2040 and so they could have done that or they could have said right let's see if we can reinvent lotus and that's exactly what they're doing investing so much money into well this one's going to be a competitor to the Porsche Taycan and Audi e-tron GT could be called the Envia or Envia and it's been seen in winter testing of course there's the Electra that it'll be based on as well it's sister car 120 kilowatt hour battery at least 370 miles of range. If not more, it'll be the first Lotus Saloon since, if anyone remembers, the Carlton (laughs) many, many years ago. Okay, in a minute, we'll talk a little bit about why charging standards are really important, actually, and what BYD are doing with a brand new battery factory in China and what it could mean for new battery technologies. Stick around. Those stories and more are coming soon. By the way, if you want this podcast ad-free, because you don't like the ads, and if you want to listen, because it's fine, because this podcast will always be free, but the ads help me make some money and and pay for the podcast, uh, then you can support us on Patreon, and you can support our work there. $5, $10, be an executive producer, or more. Many people pay more per month. That's a posh coffee or two. Just click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash evnewsdaily and be like all the other supporters of this show and get the show first and ad-free. 
Now let's talk Jeep. Jeep's electric recon will launch by 2025, and it'll be a direct competitor to vehicles like the Land Rover Defender, and it'll join their electric range at Jeep alongside the electric Avenger, the plug-in hybrid Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe, and the Wagon, uh, the Wagoneer S as well. The Recon will be a boxy, Defender-style 4x4, sitting in the lower part of the market segment to a Wrangler, uh, but they'll have seven EV models by the middle of the decade, or electrified models at least with a plug socket on at Jeep. And it'll be really interesting to see. Everyone knows, for instance, in Europe and in the UK, Jeep sales have been really bad. Jeep is not the brand that my US listeners might think it is, but everyone knows it. So it, it's starting from a place of everyone knows the name Jeep. Uh, just what do you do with it? So no one's buying them at the moment, but into an electric future. Good luck to them because they've got everything to build on now. The UK government is being urged to increase its level of incoming zero emission vehicle mandates in order to prevent UK motorists from missing out on savings. Uh, one estimate, according to the Energy and Climate Intelligence Unit, uh, says that £9 billion of savings could be had by UK drivers if only there are enough EVs on the roads. A slow rollout of new EVs could reduce the size of the second-hand car market and force low-income drivers to keep running petrol cars uh, for years to come at much expense. Oh, the government is investing £2 billion to help consumers transition to EVs. The RAC uh, saying that a 40% reduction in carbon emissions from cars alone can be achieved by going EV without drivers travelling less overall. 40% seems a bit low because there's nothing coming out of the tailpipe on EVs because, oh, they don't have one. Now, let's talk about why standards are important. In the US, the Federal Highway Administration's new NEVI rules specify that if a charger is going to go in, and and of course that's going to be a a whole national network of chargers in the US, which is brilliant, but it does specify that if you want to use the federal money, the federal funding, the chargers must be CCS, and they must conform to the ISO 15118 standards, the new plug-and-charge standard, and actually be available for vehicle-to-grid integration at some point in the future. Now, there's an organisation that's a global organisation. All the big car companies are part of it, even Tesla, even though they have their own plug. But, of course, here in Europe, they are CCS. They're called Charin, and they are focused on charging standards. They do things like the megawatt charging standard for commercial vehicles. Um, They have commended the US on taking this action and have noted that the adoption of open standards is important because it enables economies of scale and it accelerates deployment. And that plug and charge is now the global standard of just turning up in your EV if your car is equipped with it and the charger has it, plugging in and walking away. It's supported by a worldwide ecosystem of companies. They say, I wonder how much Charin has paid attention to Tesla renaming their socket the North American Charging Standard, even though only Tesla use it. So perhaps a bit of a, a battle there for standards. I think... I don't don't, don't care. I don't care. Use the Tesla plug if you want. It's smaller. It's more elegant. It's easier to move around. The CCS is a bit of a hunky-chunky plug, if you ask me. Uh, Well, because I've got CCS Combo 2 here. And it, it, it is not very elegant. The Tesla plug is better. I don't care. 
Use whichever one you want. Just stop fighting about it. Just have one plug for the entire planet, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, that won't happen because of China. Uh, and also in Japan, uh, they've got the, the next version of Chadamo called Xiaoji, uh, which is combining the Chinese standard and the Chadamo standard. So it's still going to be split. But can we just not fight over standards? Just do one thing. One thing, please, for cars and one thing for commercial vehicles. That would really help me. Um, and drivers. There we go. Uh, let's talk about batteries. BYD uh, starting construction of a new battery project in China with 20 gigawatt hours worth of cells coming out of there every single year. The project will start in 2024 and provide 6,000 jobs. What's interesting is BYD, their blade battery, very famously lithium-ion phosphate, LFP chemistry, so very stable, no cobalt, etc., etc. But local press reports have talked about this facility being for the production of sodium-ion batteries. And again, uh, that would uh, a new technology that gives more choice an alternative to LFP sodium ion batteries. I've mentioned them recently, working very well in very cold temperatures. They don't need to slow down and trickle charge when the battery is incredibly cold, unless you've got an EV that can do thermal management on the battery. So very very. Uh, different properties to, to some of the batteries out there, but much cheaper to make as well, and without some of those um, implications of the lithium price, which did hit a massive high recently, and it has come down a lot, but still, uh, we'll watch we'll watch that story, because it could be something that we start talking about in the future here, you and I, on this podcast. A, a sodium ion battery doesn't really get a mention very much at the moment, but it might do in the future. And finally, I'll leave you with this story because it's something that I've talked about a little bit about recently, and I don't think it sort of landed with many people. And that's the Inflation Reduction Act in the US and how protectionism is one way of going about creating your economy. And my concerns, I've I've told you about on the podcast before, and I totally understand why the Biden administration is doing it, is when you you know, the opposite of globalization, the opposite of, of being able to process your lithium in China, because that's where you can do it the cheapest, but also assembling the batteries in America, because that might be where you want to do it. By having protectionist subsidies, of which I totally get, I totally understand, you want US jobs on US soil. The problem is that consumers end up paying more and technology takes longer to develop. Because in a global economy, you're putting everyone against everyone, and things move quicker. Technology moves faster, because once somebody invents a technology somewhere, sure, it might be patented and protected, but anyone can copy it the next day. And we move on as humanity, and also with pricing as well. Global economies encourage price competitiveness, protectionist policies, either prop up industries that wouldn't be profitable or ultimately cost the consumer more. I've mentioned it, Nobody really cared, <laughs> so I shut up. Now, a company called Zerova Technologies, a U.S. company uh, making charging systems, the CEO of that company is called Jay Yang. And Jay Yang has been commenting uh, about this issue, believing that the Inflation Reduction Act, which is designed to reduce the reliance on Chinese supplies and encourage U.S. manufacturing, ultimately leads to higher costs for consumers. Exactly what I've been saying. Zerova has a U.S. manufacturing facility and sources materials there, with labour costs being 80% higher than in Asia. The cost is passed on to the consumer, and the cost 
of charging infrastructure could even be double because of the Inflation Reduction Act. And despite the cost increases, Yang believes the localising of the supply chain is ultimately beneficial in the long run. It creates job opportunities and it ensures the US is not reliant on China. And again, I've said this before, I fully understand the implications of relying on China because all of a sudden you wake up one morning, they've sneezed and said you can't have any more EV batteries. You look at Russia with oil and gas and the supply and, and what's happened to our energy prices in the last 12 months since the invasion of Ukraine. So it's all well and good relying on other countries while things are cheap until they go wrong. So I get it's a complex issue and that's not what this podcast is about. So I'll stop talking about that now. But I find it interesting. <laughs> Hey, that's your show for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley. Have you seen his EV Review Island YouTube channel? You should do. It's good. Uh, Richard at rsev.co.uk. Octopus Electric Universe. Now, Octopus do global public charging, and they make it simple with one app, one map. Make sure you get it. And Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. <laughs>